It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, where a student loan can help you finance your further education. Call to Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or CartmacrossCU.ie. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Well, I'll cast your minds back. It's only a few weeks ago, but it's earlier in the year on Late Lunch. We spoke with my first guest, who's with me in studio today, every Friday on his most successful run to the semi-final of Dancing with the Stars. Week in, week out, with your support, Fred Cook threw shapes never before seen and baffled the pundits as he almost went all the way to lift the trophy. Today, Mr Twiggletoes from Kells is not on the phones, I said, but he's here in studio and my God, has he made an entrance. Fred, great so, to see you. Glad, delighted to finally get into the studio. <laughs> so, And you give out so much about the suit, Jerry, the day after my chat, yeah, so I had to arrive in it. <laughs> so you can get a good look at it. Look, and look. Look at that suit. Oh, my God. He's just Mr. Glitter personified. Mm. And I'll tell you, we're on Facebook Live at the moment. We'll give you a wave there. Join us on Facebook Live. You have to see this man's (laughs) suit. Have a look at it. It's incredible. I think I should have... leg up here. Hey, Fred, Fred, I should have put... I should have put my shades on yeah, today. Yeah, I was walking down Drotted and people are going, that man knows what he's doing in life. <laughs> There's a lad who's got it together, isn't it? <laughs> the emergency response unit said, he's the fellow yeah. we're looking for. <laughs> anyway, it's so good to see you. Thank you for joining us in studio. And congratulations again on your wonderful run in Dancing with the Stars. Ha- has the uh, withdrawal symptoms settled down? Not at all. No, no. I'm lucky enough now. You know, I'm, I'm on tour with, with Fred Space, the new Irish tour. So I'm kind of... And I have a lot of promotion to do as well like for that so uh, the slump uh, hasn't maybe I'm in denial you know what I mean like that I'm still kind of as I walk around with a glittery outfit on that I'm still, st- I'm still in the land of Dancing with the Stars but uh, no there's been no slump really you know, I, was, I was delighted to get as far as I did Yeah. and uh, so after that like, I tell you what I, I don't miss I don't miss being nervous on a Sunday Do you know I was sick with nerves and before you, yes. every dance oh mm. I really was and it, it's kind of like boxing mentality that when the match is over you can be a bit more honest <laughs> about it Do you know and uh, like to tell you the truth like I remember uh, before uh, the salsa one of the dances and we'd rehearse Sunday morning and we were 9am Julie and I and I broke her dance shoe I was that bad at dancing and this is the day this is the day of it and then you got Johnny Ward Moraine and Cleone looking fantastic like this is the uh, so this is like the quarter final so so 
you know, and Julie and I, she just looked at me and goes, Fred, I don't know what I can do with you. Like, I don't know what's left. You know, so at moments like that, you know, my morale was kind of low. So, but once again, it was, it was, it was the people of me. You know what I mean? And the crack and the fun. And I had to keep saying, I had to keep reminding myself, like, this is an entertainment show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, so, uh, so, 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 so lucky, you know what I mean? Mm. But I don't, don't feel the slump. Okay, so that's an interesting thing. You do feel the nerves. What, when you, what about when you're standing in front of the judges and they try to couch their criticism in mm. as nice a way, yeah. a positive way? I don't know possible. about that. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things Brian Redmond says, and I could never argue with him. He was always right. Like one day he goes to me after the American Smooth. No, one, one Sunday night he said in the judge, judging panel, he goes, "Your moves are atrocious." <laughs> You know, like there's nothing. You know, I couldn't really argue. I'm like, you're right. You're dead right. You're like, and here no. am I trying to be diplomatic and yeah, couch it nicely yeah. as well. But look, it is a tough at times. I'm sure to stand there and listen to what they have to say. But you know, each week you came bobbing up like a cork. You know, you can't put a cork under the yeah, water. Up came Fred yeah. every week with the vote of the people, as you said as well. And you ran all the way. Did you surprise yourself how far you got? I did. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And do you know. Maybe when I get into the quarterfinals, I was actually thinking I could do this. I can do this now. I was getting my head around dancing, just mm. core work, and you know, frame and direction. And uh, you're looking at me like, no, you weren't. <laughs> 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 I'm telling you, Jerry. I I'm had like, it. Yeah. I'm like, it's a it's a twelve week. If you get if you get to run, it's twelve weeks. Yes. You know. So and. You know, you're, you're kind of because it's an entertainment show, but outside of that, you're trying to achieve the impossible. Like to get something like a cha-cha technique, like we I had three weeks with that. You know, or or a salsa. You know, it uh, it takes you know between foot and heel and rising and low. It takes years. Professional dancers will say it takes years mm. to. To, to, to get comfortable with it, mm. do you know. So, so for me, do you know, to, to start Monday morning and hope for the best come Sunday evening, do you know. So that was the crack. How of it. much time do you put in? What does it take to, to prepare for a dance? Are you at this every day in the run up to we, the show? Yeah, yeah, I was. Like, we'd start at maybe 10 a.m. and we'd go to 4 p.m., 5 p.m. Every maybe. day, Fred. Yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah, every day. Maybe on, yeah, maybe on Monday you'd have a bit of a line, you know, mm. your 12 o'clock start. Yeah. So it was, uh, so it was very intense. And because that fitness you know what I mean it's very hard to maintain that like where else we're going to get the time to be t- in an outfit in the cha-cha like from 10am to 5pm every day you know I could do it in fact you know I've, I've only got myself to blame you know but it's easier when there's a TV show behind it and you're working with professional dancers yes yes. You know? but the, the, the thing is you went you were really there for the full 12 because you were back was, in the final yeah, week after getting yeah. to week 11 tell us come on now look it's over now and all done and dusted and Maraid won it as we yeah. know were you really a happy, clappy family as a group? Oh, behind we were. The yeah. Is that yeah, a fact? Absolutely. Yeah. Is there not some rivalry? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. Let me honestly see. Uh, no, honestly, I think uh, it's too small. And even yeah. if you felt annoyed, it's like you know, uh, it's too. As if, if I can quote Billy Connolly, it's like. Uh, or no, as Jarrett Regan says, if, if you don't mind me saying this, it's kind of like it's like it's like farting in a taxi. It's too small. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it spreads too quickly. You know what I mean? Like so. So that's the feeling of it. You know. So you just you keep your you keep yourself to yourself, and you try the best you can, and then and then you realise, look, I'm not a professional dancer. This is what Darren Kennedy yeah. says. You know what yeah. I mean? Like like we're dancing here, lads. You know what I mean? We're not. Mm. Do you know we're not going for politics? Do you know what I mean? And uh, not yet. That's my next oh, ride. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't don't knock that either, because that leads me nicely into something I wanted. To talk about and we might as well talk about it now. Have you ever considered politics? Volodymyr Zelensky, you know about this fella in the Ukraine. Yeah, he's just yeah, been elected yeah, president, mm, mm. and he's a comedian. I know, yeah. Well, I do feel 
I've a lot of heart for Kells and we've, we've been trying for adversity over the years. So if I was going for a politics, we'd be trying to help my town out. Like, look at us. Like, the Vikings stole our book, right? And now recently, we've lads from Northern Ireland stealing our ATMs. I mean, come on! Leave us alone. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I can't understand these lads from Northern Ireland stealing ATMs from Kells County Mead. Like, the money doesn't even work up the north. Do you know what I mean? Like, why are you even stealing the money in the first place? Like, you know? But I've, I'd have no interest in politics and None. nothing because I've got, I've got good friends who are politicians like, you yeah. know, councillor like Sarah Riley as well in Kells and, mm. and uh, I just, I tell you why because I don't take myself that seriously. Do you know what I mean? And I'd have to really be, and it's not that I do love my town and you do, you, do, you, you know, I, I, I do love this country but I just, I just think, uh, for example, when you see me do the Charleston at, at Dancing with the Stars, it was, it was childish, it was silly, it was fun and it was done right. You know, then if you try to see me do something like the Paso Doble, right, when I'm trying to be a matador in the bullring, you know, and you have to, for, to get the good points off the judges, you need to be a credible, uh, exactly, own, own the ring, you know what yes. I mean? And as Julian says, it was less matador, more Benny Hill, do you know? So, so, and re- that's kind of, not put myself down here, you know what I mean? But that would rule really out of politics, you say. Yeah, I think oh, so. I don't take myself that you seriously. You say you like. don't take yourself seriously. Did the, the Healy Rays take themselves seriously? Yeah, good point. <laughs> I Come mean, on. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Does anyone? Yeah. <laughs> but getting back so to the dancing before we leave it, and we're going to leave it and move on and talk about other things. You know the course? It's called yeah, the Strictly yeah. course in the UK because there have been, yeah. you know, these illicit liaisons mm. between dancers and partners, etc., Nothing like that. Is it like the thing in the the taxi? It's too small. Yes. Yeah, maybe that. Like I think. Uh, well, you know, because with Sean Walsh, who I'm good friends with in London, he was like the the English comedian mm. who was caught kissing his partner in public. Yes. You know, and and typical Ireland would go, "Where's the Irish example of this?" So I guess everyone was looking to me. Will I pull it off? Will I do it? <laughs> And I says, no, I says to my, I said to my dance partner, Julia, I said, now you have to get out, nip to see these things very early on, isn't it? And I says, are me and you going to have an affair like throughout this? And she looked at me and she goes, Fred, you've nothing to worry about. Don't you worry about it. You're grand. <laughs> <laughs> You're very safe, you know. And not only that, because I was trying to explain to her that my, my, girl, my girlfriend, my actual girlfriend's called Julie. Yes. So, you know, like they're almost the same name that if, if we were going to have an affair, it would be convenient. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the same name. But no, it never happens. Now, so. not single in dingle. <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about that affair for a moment on late lunch. I thought we'd be calling you with the dancing all over yeah. to congratulate yeah. you when we yeah. heard all about this. Tell them they might know what we're talking about here. I was at a wedding in Dingle and I was in a Skellig Hotel. So I was with my partner, Julie J. And uh, we said, because I never really, uh, I never really put, uh, never, I never really put pictures of us up on social media. I try to keep my relationship stuff and kind of family stuff kind of private, you know. And, yeah. and the comedy stuff, you know, was all for promotion and, and, and social media. But I said, look, why not just put a picture of Julie and I up, you know, because it was a lovely day in Dingle. We were at our cousin's wedding. And so I took a picture of us uh, and, and put on my Instagram, not single and dingle. That's it. <laughs> not single and dingle. So then the next day on the RT News, I'm engaged. <laughs> I'm like, what? Can you imagine? And like, you know, and mom rang me up going, what is going on here? No one told me. You never told me. You Your know? poor mother. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And my brothers and Fitz laughing. Oh, this is the best one yet, Fred. This is the best <laughs> one yet, you know? 
and it's probably like the boy who cried wolf it'll take the gravitas out of it now when I actually do propose to Julie down the road do you know what I mean like, it, so it, what's come next? on so, we have an exclusive on late lunch no today. no not happening it is going to happen no, it is no no I need a few dancing shows together to get a nice <laughs> ring so. you're a year together is that right this May yeah yeah this May ago. bank yeah. holiday yeah. yeah come on now it's yeah. getting pretty serious at this stage when you pass the 12 month mark oh yeah 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 that's a big sign isn't it it is Fred the 12 month mark so yeah you know and so you know, don't let it go too long. Yeah, okay, okay. That's a little bit of advice to you, you know. Okay, give Take me 20 minutes. I have to make a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> and we just exactly. might have an exclusive yeah, here on the yeah. show uh, very shortly. But talking about herself, Julie, uh, your girlfriend, she's a comedian as well. She is, yeah. Is life with you two a barrel of laughs every minute of the day? And um, um, Not at the moment. <laughs> no, no, just, it's all know. off. We've just heard he's not making that phone call. <laughs> Tweet it quickly. It's off. It's off. <laughs> it's on. It's off. It's like a light bulb. And uh, but ah, uh, oh, it's great fun. You know what I mean. I think you kind of have to separate. She's teaching as well, so she's got all that going on. So uh, it does. We what what happens with us is uh, we're when we're coming up with jokes for the stage and like you know we kind of in conversation we might laugh and then both of us will use the joke on stage and then the question and debate comes who came up with it first <laughs> so you there know, is like, a little so bit there's of, a bit of that a little like, bit of uh, rivalry there isn't I was gigging in, I was gigging in Arkle last week and I mm. said I was very nervous about this gig so last month I lit a few candles in, in Notre Dame right do you know like so, and uh, and then it was what, sorry know, sorry hold on what date was that <laughs> can I check <laughs> There was a exactly, fire there, yeah, There was yeah, a fire in yeah, that place. You were exactly, there. Exactly, yeah. So, it was my fault. I am sorry. I am sorry, the French government. Sorry. But, uh, were you wearing that suit lighting <laughs> the candles? <laughs> this is fireproof. That's <laughs> the only lad who got out. And should, everyone should have walked in with these outfits. But, uh, but she, she, Julia, uh, I think uh, we both laughed at that. And I think she said it to me when we were when we were watching the tragedy happen in front of us. Mm. And uh, so then this whole thing happened. Who come up with it first? You know, mm. stuff like that. And there's still moments of uh, like you know we're both doing the Body and Soul Festival uh, in the comedy tent there, but we didn't tell each other until quite recently even though we both knew because this is what comedians do you don't you don't parade it you know what I mean like okay. you, you let people find out for themselves so we still kind of work on that thing you know like so have you ever done a two-hander together you know what I mean on stage uh no no, we, no, no, we haven't. Like we've, we haven't gigged that, that much happen. with each other. That doesn't happen. Do they don't, you don't do that, really. It's, oh, you can, can like you? definitely. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. done it with Carl Spain now when it was in. Oh, uh, right. yeah, and, yeah. Uh, was gigging. In, I was gigging in China with Carl Spain, and uh, I'd Kevin say McCarran, that was great. So I was amazing. I'm really big in China. Are so you? yeah, well, physically anyway. Like, but uh, you know, it was, uh, it was great. Like, well, I tell and, you, uh, big in China yeah, today. Yeah. A satellite has just spotted <laughs> you, and it's that new one they put up into space, and they're saying, "Is that Fred?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so there is. There is, there is, there is that as well. But generally, like, like we just we do our own time and own yes. space. So, mm. but she will be supporting me on the tour, like September, October. Great. So Great. yeah. So it's now tell me this um, about you. <laughs> we, you're so well known for a public of telly. Of yeah. course, when you ever mention that, your name comes up. But you've worked across many things: Bridget and Eamon, the Savage Eye, Stand Up. But I want to talk about the Spar ads. Mm. No one would really realise how big the spar ads were and yeah, that yeah. got you out there in a way, you know, an advertising oh, absolutely. campaign. Yeah, I remember uh, soon after the promotion I was talking to you, it was, yes. the, it was when, when it was the Hay Festival in Kells. That's right. And uh, do you know the spar ads, 
uh, are 10 years old this May bank I holiday. don't believe it. Is it that isn't long it? Ago? Yeah, the cornflake ad uh, was, it's going to be, it was the May bank holiday 10 years ago that it was released. And so it's crazy, isn't it? I, like, it's still yeah. that, uh, you know, in, in the forefront of my mind. It just shows you the impact that yeah. actually made at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was good for you. Like that, oh, it that was really, great. Do you yeah. know, it was kind of... Uh, and I'm still very grateful of it. I always think with, with ads and, and, you know, radio and TV are always looking for content and they're always looking for something to talk about in its most simplistic way. So if you had two comedians and one guy wasn't in an ad and the other comedian wasn't in an ad, they generally go for the guy in the ad because they've got something to talk about. Okay, Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. So that's how that ad helped me out. Mm. But uh, for years, and it's not a complaint, I was very happy. I was lucky in a way that it was gigging doing stand-up comedy and the industry knew me before those ads. Yes. Do you know, as opposed to if I did the ads first, uh, people would have said, you're a man from the Spar ads trying to do comedy now. Do you know, like, that's <laughs> yeah. what it would have been, like, you know. I know, yeah. And I was that, the man from the Spar ads, you know what I mean? Like, I was never, I was, I was, uh, I wasn't a household name. I kind of became a household face. And people still, <laughs> and still people couldn't connect that one up. Do you know what I mean? Like, who yeah. are you? You know, I was either, I went to school with him or um, some lad from an ad. So, so it was, so it was, so it was really it was lovely to get those ads, mm. you know, but it was only with Dancing with the Stars, uh, I think, uh, me as a person, as far as my character came, came to the front. Yes, yes, of course. Do you know? Now, the, the tour, it's called Fred Space. Of course, Absolutely. a play on the term headspace, exactly, I take it, yeah, yes? Yeah, So, wh- what are you pulling from? What's, what's happening? Do you pull from what's going on or do you construct a show that's a moving feast? How does that work when oh, you Oh, I do, yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's constantly uh, working, you know, like, to turn over a show, uh, Tommy Turner says it, there's no easy way about it it's constant gig and try and gig and try until it's ready to to go on the road do you know but Fred's space is just I guess you know I'm at the age now and I'm 38 do you know and I know you wouldn't think of looking at me but no <laughs> no not at all no 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 but, uh, and I'm 28 so, 20 exactly yeah 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 18 <laughs> Go say eight. Go eight, I'll say eight. Yeah. I will, I will, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to be eight in your head, don't you? I even look yeah, at me and look at the age of me. Sure, I'm eight in my head at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's... Uh, so the the whole uh, Fred Space thing, I don't know when... I kind of at the age now when you, you start uh, filtering out all the crap and trying to make life kind of simple for yourself. Yes. Do you know, like, so... Uh, so, and uh, I remember I was living in Galway for a year and a half and uh, I guess with the whole referendums and stuff, there's always a bit of tension, you know. So yeah. I, I needed to uh, get some headspace. <laughs> so I went to this place in Spiddle, right? Okay. This lady, lo- lovely kind of pagan lady lives in the west of Ireland and there's a group of us just trying to relax and I realised that this moment that I look more stupid than I actually am because this lady she's trying to relax us all and she goes okay I want you all to empty your heads try and empty your heads and then five minutes in she's looking at me going you're very good at this <laughs> like, like, like there's nothing going on in my head whatsoever you've done this before you've done this before so you know and I'm always getting people I'm always getting people after gigs maybe once a month I'll have someone come up to me and go oh fair play to your gas and they'll say look if you don't laugh you'll cry if you don't laugh you'll cry and I'm like maybe there's a middle ground there and she's like listen to me you're either laughing or you're crying you're laughing or you're crying so I'm just trying to uh, enjoy the moments more these days and uh, just have more fun with it well we're so. enjoying the moment on Late Lunch yeah. and on Facebook Live Fred Cook is staying with us the star of Dancing with the Stars is ours for a few more moments on Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon Fred Cook our dance champion is with us on Late Lunch this afternoon and boy has he made some entrance into LMF <laughs> radio today in his attire check it out on social media Fred tell me this you were named comedian of the year 2018 in this country what did that mean to you 
Oh, it's lovely to be acknowledged. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's definitely uh, an industry acknowledgement, you know, because you gig all the time, you know, like I do anyway. And uh, so, and you just want to know, you just want to be punching the right cushions, you know. And I do, as far as the laughter I receive, that's fundamentally like the, the main thing in stand up, you know what I mean? But it's nice on the side, it's nice to have something to put on your poster. Do you know, the most simple thing. So. That's a great endorsement. So yeah. And here's the other thing I was thinking with you here today and the Kells angle and Navin with the other boys as well, Dylan and Tommy and mm. more besides. And, and I mean, guys like yourself who've really made it, you know. What is it in, in me that has produced such a, a well of comedic talent? Well, I, I think it is. And I've been thinking about this recently. Uh, I think for people kind of my age, you know, I think uh, the comedic uh, one came out of boredom. And it came out of not not boredom as far as neglect as a kid. Do you know what I mean? Like when the eighties, like you had nothing to do compared to kids today. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, do you know with iPhones and uh, iPads and stuff? It was uh, back then, like uh, you had to make your own fun. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you never wanted to let on your board. Like, you get two maybe in primary school, you get two months holidays, and you you like. You were breathing. That's it. <laughs> you know, you had nothing to do, but you never wanted to let on you were bored because, like, the moment you let on you were bored, that only facilitated for housework and stuff like that. So you always had to randomly look interested in something. Oh, I love jumping around this kitchen, ma'am. This is brilliant. What a summer, you know. And you know, you had to go out there and bless the day God gave you. Thanks, thanks, there. Thanks for nothing. This is great crack, you know. Like walking around the town, but it was great, you know, and it's very healthy, you know. Like, to, I think that moment when you. Uh, when you are bored, but then you you, you you can only accept it. So when you accept it, you stop becoming bored. And I think that's kind of generally what Headspace is, just being happy with the moment, do you know? And I think, uh, so from that, I think Tommy, Tommy, something Tommy Tierney even said to me. So from that, out of boredom causes this real want and incentive for fun and crack and yes. abstract madness. Yeah. Do you know, you're fighting for that, do you know, for yourself. Like So So I think that's where the stand-up comedy comes from. In so me, from nothing comes the brilliance of Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's almost like the punk scene in London, you know, in the 80s. You know what I mean? When there was, uh, like, there, were, there used to sing about having nothing and it created something fantastic, you know. Yeah, like yeah. So now, obviously, you know, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've had a, I've had a wonderful upbringing, and when I talk about nothing, I'm not talking about you know poverty, thank God, or anything like that. I'm yes. just talking about and the simple thing of when I guess we had to use ultimately we had to use our imaginations. Yeah. Uh, we really had to out of each other, you know. Hopscotch, you today- hopscotch is putting boxes, painting <laughs> boxes on the on the street. That's true. You know I mean? like, you when know, you think of it, yeah. But yeah. today, do you think there's a lack of creativity? Do you think there's a lack of because there is so much, and younger people are preoccupied with all this other stuff that's not of this world that's out there yeah, somewhere. Yeah. What do you yeah. feel about that? I, I, at the moment, I, I don't know. I, I, I might worry about it sometimes. I think if, uh, if uh, the influx of social media is so much, it's very hard to take a breath and accept what's going on around you if you're const- if your head's in the phone so yes. much, you know? Mm. like, And I hate to sound like a now lad, you know what I mean? I, I'm just talking about for the health of, the mental health of youth, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's great uh, to get out there and maybe, <laughs> you know, as does there's a wonderful argument with Tommy and Ruby Wax on the show, uh, Tommy Tiernan, and he's, she's talking about uh, studying about life and, and uh, where does it come from and the science and the religion behind it. And then and then Tommy says, I'd rather just be happy running across the field with the wind in my face. <laughs> Do you know, like... Yeah. 
and uh, so it's so it's, it's trying to it's just trying to find uh, contentment in the moment and I think it's hard for kids to do that nowadays so it's very right. hard now you're going to find contentment later this year uh, 28th of June in particular when you're oh, bringing yeah. it all back home to Kells the yeah. Hinterland Festival I can't wait to come back to my hometown and it's uh, and you know what I'm announcing it now but because uh, tickets are 15 euros so one euro of that is just it's going to the Hinterland Festival just for the staff you know what I mean mm. for the ticket holders and that and then half of that which is like set, Seven euro, seven. So seven euro year ticket is going to the Meals on Wheels in Kells. Okay, do you know what I mean. Like, so, so it's a big it's a, support for oh, a very exactly. wonderful yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, one one hundred percent. I mean, these they're incredible. Every day, like they deliver, uh, they deliver meals to much needed people who Absolutely. can't leave their front door. You know, and it's yeah. a company thing as well. Yeah, that's as well what you forget about. A face I, calls no. to your door. You see yeah, somebody. Yeah, they yeah, feed yeah. You. Do you know, I know, I know some elderly people who live up the road from me in Kells, mm. you know, who were quite old back then. So, you know, and, and your meals and wheels are going out to them now. Yeah. So it's, uh, so it's, do you know, and I do feel like when I look, it is giving it back to the town to some extent. I do feel, uh, you know, I was lucky with Dancing with the Stars that uh, I had a Meath connection. Mm. Do you know, I think Deirdre is, talks about this as well, like from, from Wajid de Louth, but yes. it's, the kind of, it's the LMFM uh, radio. Region, yes. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, and it was, I got very far and people, I surprised myself and it was, and people are saying to me, well done. But it was really, it was a moment uh, that it was, I couldn't have done it on my own and it was coming on this show every Friday and it was the people of Meath as well. I, it, it works out kind of Meath as well. And, and, and the loud and people did vote for you. Yeah, oh, exactly. loud people yeah. voted for you, Fred. Really I'm telling you, I told them to yeah. put the bias aside <laughs> and not to think of that Leinster oh, final or <laughs> Joe or anything like that Joe and Jordan vote for this great man. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stop. Anyway, well, I'm look, so grateful for that. And we so, hear what uh, you're saying yeah. today. Listen, thanks. Well done to you. And we Jerry, have to finish so out much. with this one. Who else for Fred Cook? But Abba, he is our <laughs> dancing queen. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. Thank you. Last time on Late Launch, it's four years ago actually, we spoke about cosseting our children on the publication of a book of hers called Cottonwood, Cotton Wool Kids. Today, psychotherapist, author, regular contributor to a range of media, Stella O'Malley, returns to talk about why and what we can do to deal with anxiety, which I have to say she covers brilliantly in her new book, it's called Fragile. Stella, it's great to see you again. I can't believe it's that long since you Four were here. Four years. I didn't think it was that long. Tempest feud you, doesn't it, when you're yeah. enjoying yourself. Well, are we enjoying ourselves? Because that's my first question, because haven't we never had it so good? In the main, look, I know there are people who will feel, what are you talking about, Jerry Kelly in there today? But in the main, here in Ireland, you know, life ain't too bad for the majority of people. So why? Why are we more anxious? It's fascinating because we. Ha- you're right. Um, if you look at the actual data, we've never been safer. We've we've never had better kind of health, believe it or not. We've never had better education services. While we might be, you know, kind of given out about the actual details of each thing, it is in the round, in the bigger sense of the picture, it is continuously getting better. But then our mental health 
seems to be not. And in a way, it's because as soon as you get something, you're looking for something more. You know, that's that's the human kind of disposition. And as soon as we get a certain level of, if you compare Ireland to now, to the 80s, how poor we were, how difficult it was and how much less, you know, basically richer we are than the 80s. And yet we're asking an awful lot of ourselves. So compared to, let's say, parents in the 80s to parents now, they just didn't ask as much of themselves. They didn't ask a career, children, extracurricular activities, high academic uh, performance, plus social skills. They just didn't ask that of ourselves and of their children. And when you continuously try to get better, while unless you can enjoy that journey, you're going to feel demoralised. And You're not telling us to turn back the clock to the 80s because I remember God, no. it well. Sure, I do. But I hear, I do hear what you're saying. This countless, relentless, seeking more, wanting to have it all. Are you saying to me basically today, it's not possible to have it all? No, you have to start picking. You have to draw the line. You have to on some level say, I can't have it all. And if I try to have it all, I'll end up spreading myself too thin. Something has to give when you try to have it all. And in a way, you kind of have to keep your eye on your well-being is the most important. It's the classic example of, let's say, a kid with too many activities and they can enjoy all the activities. But it doesn't matter because too much is still too much. So if you try to do all the good things and they're all great, you'll still have find too much is too much and something will give. And is that the nub of it? Is, is is that one of the key aspects or things that are making us more anxious? It seems to be. It's one of it. It's one. not only, yeah, yeah. there what is else? more. We're working. We're working really hard hours. We're working and we're never quite switching off. So we're kind of answering emails and we're taking phone calls. We often people put the kids to bed, you know what I mean, have their dinner or whatever, and then go back to email. So that's an issue. And then I hate to say it because I love my tech and I love my social media, but it's an issue. It's definitely making us jittery and wired. This continuous screen screens, you know, we're on Facebook and we're watching telly at the same time and our partner might be over, you know what I mean, on Twitter or something like that, all in the same sitting room. Like there's an awful lot of uh, tests out on people who are on different screens all the time. It's making us nervy. It just is. And another thing I was just thinking of, you know, the way today the world is so connected, yet disconnected, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, we are as humans. But we know in this world, if anything happens, really within minutes, in any, uh, on any part of this planet, if you go back to the 80s, that wasn't the case. You just didn't yeah. really. Yeah, there's, the, you know, there's this funny like line, you might know it from the media circles, if it bleeds, it leads. Basically, in the media, you're not going to sell many papers if you say everything's kind of all right. And you have to find the shocking stories. And these days, the shocking stories are going to compel. They're going to, they're compelling. And they, we have the brain is a problem solving organ. So the brain looks to the crazy stories and the dark stories and the distressing stories just because the brain wants to say, can I handle that? Can I, can I see what's the problem? And so that they can move on, solve the problem in their life. As in, no, I'm not going to be hit by a tornado, but isn't it interesting? They have been. Now I feel a little bit better about myself. And so we move on. But every single hit, on our on our brain of all these scary stories they do impact us they make us believe that the world is more dangerous than it is because we're seeing them too often there's a thing called the kind of the illusory uh, repetition effect if you keep on seeing scary stories you will think the world is dangerous whether you're in the safest place in the world or not it's just a, a kind of a trick our brain plays what's the difference between anxiety and worry I was just thinking about this. How do you distinguish or is worry 
part of the makeup of a person who is anxious. It's it's a fascinating subject because we all worry. And worry serves because if you didn't worry, you would miss kind of problems, forthcoming problems that are coming down the road. So you do sometimes need to worry. And some people don't worry and they get hit by a bus. You know what I mean? They need it. People often worry, am I anxious? Have I actually kind of gone into a different realm with worry? Generally, worry should be about a specific thing. I'm worried about my exams that are coming. I'm worried about my driver's test. I'm worried about specifically something. And am I addressing it? And if it's just like a rocking chair and going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but I'm never actually doing anything about it, you're starting to tip into more serious ground Mm. than a specific worry about a specific problem that's appropriate and doing something about that problem is also appropriate when you've just got and that's where they call it generalised anxiety disorder where it's just a general anxiety that doesn't really leave and it often pops from one thing to the other to the other that's starting to get into and you know that's when somebody could go to their doctor and there's a list there's literally he could you know what I mean there's an actually very well known yeah there's <laughs> there a, is list a list in, in your my book, book and you just brought me nicely to this because <laughs> I had uh, several pages flagged in this book but this is one of them as well and we had did a little test in the office before we came down I uh, Louise uh, was the examiner I was the pupil I said to Louise have many of these sums <laughs> me up or do I um, exude so let me read them just read down the list okay so the list you make uh, are you the anxious type. See how many of the following traits are you. So it begins with self-doubting stroke self-critical, conscientious stroke overworking, obsessive stroke perfectionist, avoidant, phobic, fearful, worrisome, an insomniac, prone to panicking, highly reactive, sensitive or self-conscious, prone to physical ailments, imaginative, resistant to change, empathic and irritable or intolerant. Now let me tell you. I must confess here on the (laughs) airwaves today, a number of them I can resonate with me. Here's my question. See that list there? Yeah. Do I need to be all of those to be anxious or just some of them? No, there's about 15 or 16 items there. You know what I mean? And so you're going into different. So you could be maybe very unanxious by having maybe four. You could be kind of middling. (laughs) He's not giving me his figure here. I'm middling. I'm I'm middling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's the certain problems of living. Life is hard. You know what I mean? So there's a certain level of you could be middling now and next year you could be less than middling and next year you could be more. It's a moving feast. It's a moving feast. And that is life for you. But if you were consistently when you're saying actually, and that's what's very interesting, when life gets good and you've married and you've you've done everything right, you've got the job you want and you're still, still all the problems are with you. That's when you start thinking, well, maybe life could be better and maybe I need to address this and maybe there's something underlying. So it's kind of how many of them are you? And if you were all of them and if they were all the time, then I would say, yeah, that's definitely a problem. And if you were very close to all of them all the time, then I would definitely say it's a problem. I'm relieved. You yeah. just, my heartbeat has just eased down a little bit there, Stella. Oh, can I just say, usually you could just check your belly. If you have a problem... Ask your stomach, ask your your gut, and generally the gut is kind of saying you do. Or you, you really don't. say that is the best measure for anybody. Uh, I'm the just, gut. I'm just saying there is a self. Yes, there's a, a not in front of anybody. It's a kind of. It's a self kind of private kind of. Yes. Are you okay, or could you do with a hand? <laughs> you know what I mean. And I think we know when we, we don't often admit it to ourselves. But if you gave yourself the space, am I okay? Do I need a hand? I think. 
you know, yes, you'll certain, know yourself. Yeah, you were talking about being busy and skipping on through the book, curing yourself of the busy disease. I love this, of course. Okay, so you say spend less time on social media, limited to six to seven a.m. in the morning and six to seven at night. Stella, for example, for I, example, I wish answering emails, limited to twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. I think I'll be out the door here. Working, uh, can you ask for reduced hours? Oh Lord, oh, that's less of all those. You say, and then more. Hanging out with friends, be proactive and ring fence specific days to meet friends. I really do like that. Pottering in the house, ring fence Sundays, that's pyjama and potter day. Do you know, the more I live and the older I get, I love those days at home yeah. in my garden yeah. and, you know, rooting yeah. round, as we'd call it. Yeah, and it used to be enforced because Sundays there was nothing to do, so we ended up doing it. And now it's not. It's busy, busy, busy. Shop, shopping. Shop, shop, shopping. Yeah, and I know for some people it's great stress relief. For a lot of people it's very stressful and it depends on the person. (laughs) But I do think we need, I think you're right about the friends. I think we neglect our friends to our own detriment and we're all doing it. Mm. And it's something that I find so many clients would say to me, oh, I have great friends. I have a friend in Galway and I have a friend in in Dublin, a friend in the town, but she's very busy, so I never see her. And I don't see the friend in Galway, la, 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 la. And they end up never seeing their friends. And who they do see is generally their family who they hate. (laughs) 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 And they're not looking after their friends. (laughs) And and let me say this this to you as well. Uh, Betty Clark, who's one of our women with opinions, uh, you and I were talking about this earlier on. I remember Betty saying to me one day here, she was looking to go for a coffee and she has all these friends on Facebook sent out a message guess what no. Not one came back. So remember that, folks. Whoa. Those friends, well, I don't know about it. Anyway, the last thing you say here, and we're going to a break now, and I just have to read this before we do. You say more of having baths. The <laughs> Clara Weekly Bath Night. Just for you. You see, I've told them on late lunch before, once a week is enough to wash yourself. <laughs> Stay with us on late lunch. Stella O'Malley's here, and we're talking about our new book called Fragile. Stella O'Malley's with me on late lunch this afternoon. Her book is Fragile, and I have to say, I enjoyed, really enjoyed making it. Uh, reading this book and it's it's made me think an awful lot about aspects of my own life. Here's the thing, Stella, uh, and you uh, refer to it. Certainty in this world seems to be less and less across the board, economically, politically, you know, all the violence we see, everything. But here's the other thing, faith. And in this country, mm. the Catholic Church's collapse. You do say that the loss of faith is leading as well to an anxiety. Yeah, you'll find an awful lot of people who are anxious and some people seem to come out of the womb anxious and some people the anxiety is kind of put upon them because of the the problems of living. But anxious people don't, they have this intolerance of uncertainty and that's the phrase. They, they, they can't tolerate uncertainty and they're looking for certainty. People with faith have certainty. They know where they're going and they know where they came from. And that is enough. And they know there's a kind of a bargain. If you're good, you get to heaven. If you, you know what I mean? So it's, a, it's, cl- it's kind of clear. Now, I don't have a faith. I, my mother does, but I don't have one. And I think that an awful lot of people who are anxious could have benefited from having a faith. That they would, it would be easier for their mind if they, if they believed in a God and they believed in the system. And this idea that there's, we don't know. We don't know where we came from. We don't know where we're going. I think that makes people feel really, really anxious at a time when everything seems like, like, like you said, the economic. They can't feel that they've got a job for life, that that's taken from them. They can't even feel that they've kind of got security of tenure with houses and up and down and mortgages and things like that. So 
therefore, anybody who who doesn't like uncertainty is going to feel a lot more anxious in this world than in the world 40 years ago. I'm not saying the world 40 years ago was perfect. There was so many problems. But there were certain things that, you you know, you might have felt, I would have felt very stifled in a job for life. I would have hated having to have the, the, the faith put upon me. However, some people, it would have suited them. And I think those particular people are really finding life very anxious making for them. The other thing we've been hearing about, and this is all, of course, to do with our mental health and well-being. Mental tied in with physical because they're both, uh, of course, uh, inextricably. uh, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connected. It's good to talk. How many times have we heard that? But you say it's good to talk, but... Yeah, it's good to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think there's a lot of bad listeners out there. I think it's great that we're all talking. I think it's great the mental health conversation has begun and a lot of people are now admitting to having mental health problems, especially when famous people admit it. I think it's really good for the society because we all realise everybody can be afflicted. However, I think it's very important when you do speak to somebody that you choose your listener, that if you always talk to your sister and if she always criticises you, well, when you're feeling vulnerable, that's not really the person to talk to. And to kind of have when you're feeling good, have the few people that you know you should talk to when you're feeling vulnerable. Have them in your mind, like I can talk to Johnny and Billy and Jack and they're good listeners because then you can gravitate to them when you're feeling more vulnerable and fragile instead of just going to the people. It's funny, it's when you're stressed is when you'll spill out to somebody who you know you shouldn't talk to because people can be very flippant with their feelings and they can be critical and they can say, oh, I always told you you'd be like this. Now you regret it. And they can be quite cruel (laughs) when you're spilling out what's wrong. So I do think we have to be careful of of completely revealing ourselves to some people because I think um, good listeners are sometimes hard to come by and they're worth the weight in gold and we need to emphasise no more than it's good to talk we need to emphasise could we all practice our listening so that uh, we're good listeners too. I have to do it here every day. I often get slagged for not uh, listening at home but <laughs> that's another that's for another day's uh, conversation. Um the other thing is, uh, you, you criticise certain strategies that are put forward to manage anxiety with people as well. And I have to say, your book is brilliant in the latter part. I think you've nearly covered off every <laughs> scenario. There are yeah. so many that people arrive at with a strategy to deal with it. I'll talk about the strategies in a minute. But one thing you do say, avoiding dealing with anxiety or issues is the wrong thing, totally. Yeah, what's fascinating about avoidance, and I do make a big deal of this in the book, is that if you avoid, imagine if you feel a bit of social anxiety and you feel, I'd rather not be around people, you know, I'd rather not be around crowds. And then your brain is registering a little bit of danger because you're around people. And if you avoid those people, your brain has made a little neural pathway just at that moment to say, yeah, avoiding people is good. That was dangerous and it's it's good to avoid. And every single time you do that, you're reaffirming to your brain, your strength 
strengthening this connection that being around people is dangerous. And that's actually in the long term bad for you. And you'd be better off retraining your brain that's saying, yes, I do feel anxious around people. But if I slightly confront it with enough support and enough help with people around me and I do it just on a very baby steps way, I'll get over it. While avoidance is basically poisoning your future. It's a short term strategy. It works just like fast food works when you're hungry, but it's not leading to long term health. So well put, I have to say. I say there are loads of scenarios towards the latter part of this book and the strategies as well. But there's just a summary chart here as well that caught my attention on, on, on page 152, actually. And these slogans are well known in around the area that we're talking about here. And you have the existing slogans and the improved slogan, which you've added to. And just to pick a couple of them, you mentioned it there, it's good to talk, but it's good to talk to the right person at the right time. But there's, there's some of them here, it, this is great. I think if you look good you feel good how many times have we heard that but you say if you feel good you don't give a damn how you look <laughs> that's so true isn't I it I think so you know some of my fi- f- finest moments my happiest moments is let's say walking home from school with the kids and I might have greasy hair and I'm just chatting I'm wearing a tracksuit and I don't care how I look because I'm, I'm enjoying myself and I think yeah for some people they need to look good to feel good but a lot of us could do with a lot less emphasis on our looks I meet an awful lot of teenagers in my practice as a psychotherapist and they look fabulous but they're shattered inside. Mm. And so it's it not necessarily adding up. This emphasis of looks can make us feel very anxious and it doesn't necessarily lead. For some people, it seems to do the trick. For a lot of us, it doesn't. And we'd rather less emphasis That's on That's so looks. telling. You know, outward looks are how they look. My God, inside shattered. Here's another one. You can be anything you want. You've heard this. You know, yeah. remember this. You can be anything you want. Stella says, you can be anything you want, only with a lot of luck, hard work, effort, and endurance. Yes. You are so on the nail. Yeah, because I think that can be quite pressurising, that message, you can be anything you want. While it's freeing, oh, I can be anything I want, an awful lot of kids are reading that as, well, are you going to be something amazing now? Because you could have been anything you want. Therefore, go and impress me. And what about just ordinary people who just want to fall in love with the boy down the road and get an ordinary job and have children? And that's special in itself. And that's actually how the world turns. And so all of us trying to be amazing it can be fairly demoralising and depressing because not all of us can be amazing. <laughs> Most of us are just like ordinary. That That is so true. And uh, like there are a list of them here and I love, I have to say to oh, you, good. I really do like what you've added to them because they make much more sense and they ground us as well. There was another one there. Think positive thoughts. You know the way you're told that. But keep an eye on the realistic <laughs> ones too. I yeah. think that is such good, good advice. Do you know something? It's a great book, may I say. Oh, thank you. No, I mean that. It really is. It has got me to sit up and think a lot and look at things as well. And for anybody who's feeling anxious, it really is great to take this book and, you know, digest it, go through it and ponder on different aspects of it. Uh, It's great. It's called Fragile by Stella O'Malley. It's available... All good bookshops. All right. I'm not parting with this yet. Normally uh, I give the book away. I'll get a copy from the publishers and I'll arrange that for you. But I, I, I have a copy. Have you a copy? Yeah, well, listen, Stella has brought a copy. You know, I'll tell you, it's not often that I do this on the show because I love my listeners and I give them the book, but I, it, it, it just shows you how oh, much good. I uh, really killed. feel how good this book is. I'm holding that. But Stella's given us a copy. It's called fragile. Would you like a copy of this? You don't have to be feeling fragile. Maybe you are. We'd love to give it to a late lunch listener today. How do you get the book? 
text or WhatsApp us to 086-1800-658, 086-1800-658, and tell me, who scored two goals against Liverpool last night? <laughs> He's not feeling <laughs> fragile today. The Red supporters are. Who scored two goals against Liverpool in the Champions League last night? To that number, and we'll pick somebody for the book. Stella, it's Thank been a pleasure. You. Thank you for joining Thank me. Thank you very much. Must I remind you on late lunch how we love our food? You know, Tara Walker's with us every month from East Coast Cookery School. We meet chefs, we taste, we promote local produce from Louth and Meath and beyond, and we love the books as well about cookery. But when I saw a mess chef, I said, What? This is a mess for sure. There's somebody who is a mess chef? In the northeast, I said, Louise, get her quick. I want to talk to her. She's here with me today. Roisin Matthews, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Not at all. Thank you for joining me. What is a mess chef? <laughs> well, mess chef is the name I came up with for my cookery classes for young children, aged two to seven years. I do parent and child cookery classes. And really the idea is that you get to take the mess outside of the home and away from the, the stress of, of in your own kitchen and bring it out to a, another area, a stress-free space. And do you do this in your own home or, or, or where do you do it? Do you go to, to Montessori's, what? I go to community centres, Montessori's, primary schools. Um, and really the one of the main ideas behind the business was to make it in, totally mobile. So I can set up in any sort of a hall, community centre. I don't need a full kitchen. I bring everything I need with me and I take it all away again afterwards. Oh, you're a dream, I'm sure, for, <laughs> for those who engage you. And busy you are with this. You say from children, from four children, from two years of age, really? Yeah, <laughs> they love it. They absolutely love it. What you do, what I'm, the aim behind that is really that from kind of two, three years old, any parent will know that that's the age where the children start coming into the kitchen and going, I help you, I help you. And they're dragging the chair over and they're, you know, they really, really want to get involved. And they're also at a stage um food-wise, where they're willing to taste a lot of things. An awful lot of two, three-year-olds will still be very open to trying new things. And the fussy stage usually comes a little bit later on. And also once they're in school, there's other influences of, you know, looking in each other's lunchboxes and, oh, what's that strange thing you have? And, you know, so when you um, deal with much younger children, you get a chance to, I suppose, broaden their appetites and... Um, broaden the variety of foods that, they'll, that they're interested in at an early age. So that's as important as the mess they create. Yes, <laughs> I presume exactly, that's where your name yeah, came yeah. from. But they love it. I know. I have a yeah. granddaughter myself and I've seen her at this. But that's very important as well because fussy eaters are a devil, aren't they, for mums and it's dads? It's very difficult for parents. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So this morning you were at a class. We had yes, I had a class in a in a Montessori starfish Montessori in Betty's Town this morning. Um, so we had a class there this morning. We made breakfast donuts. So that was and you have some with you. I have some with me. Could yeah. I taste one? Absolutely. So these it. were made by the children this morning, were yes, they? Yes. Yeah. Lovely little donuts, aren't they? Yeah. What, what's in these here? Is the blueberries or something? There in There is oats, banana, uh, egg, butter, cinnamon. And that's about it. Oh, yes. lovely. They are really tasty. So the children made these or were part of making these as well? Yes, absolutely. So the way I bring a huge amount of sensory elements into the class. So before we even look at, at what recipe we're going to do, each of the children get to pass around all of the ingredients. They get to touch them, smell them, shake them, roll them, taste them, whatever they might want to do with them. Um, and just really get to know the ingredients as 
as as they are in their raw state mm. before we put them together into a recipe. Hey, and then there's we make raisins in there's here. Raisins. Look, I knew yeah, there was there something. Was something I knew it. I was looking at that and I think, what am I saying? They are the raisins. Oh, yeah. they're lovely. They really are yeah. lovely. So they mix this all up. You show them how to put them into the the moulds or the trays or whatever and yeah. into the oven. So they see the whole process from start whole, to finish. Exactly. And they taste as well. And they taste as well, yeah. So that's what I try and condense into an hour, I suppose, is an hour-long workshop is investigating all the ingredients, getting to actually hands-on prepare a recipe, get to taste it. And then I also do sensory play that links in with my recipe. So today the children, while the buns or the donuts were cooking and cooling, the children would have played with um, oats and uh, cinnamon sticks and all of these ingredients where they get to touch them and smell them and get used to the different textures and flavours. And that's a really important part as well of that age group just to desensitise them to maybe ingredients that they're not sure about and make it in a very relaxed atmosphere. They're not under any pressure to taste, let's say. This is brilliant because this is the way it should be, let me say, Roisin. <laughs> and you are at the heart of this now in, in, in delivering this to so many children. Um, do you find what you said there, you know, that people when they come and they experience this and they do it, does it carry on? Is that the idea that you're yes. introducing something that, you know, besides their eclectic taste, which you yeah. hope they will have, but to actually start, you know, preparing food from scratch? Yeah, well, that's without a doubt, my aim is to just spark an interest in food and cooking so that hopefully children will go home and, and want to cook with their parents and that their parents might feel a little bit more relaxed about what they're able to do in the kitchen or how to keep them busy but safe at home in the kitchen while they're preparing their dinner or whatever it might be. And yes, without a doubt, it makes me the happiest when I get the photographs saying, oh, we made the recipe again at home and here's what we did with your recipe from class. You know, I love seeing it being brought back into the home afterwards. We're talking today and we're talking about something that I think is marvellous and to introduce from from the age of two uh, and two to seven is your age groups that mm. you're working with at the moment. But look at the world today, the message we're preaching all the time, you know, processed foods, the convenience, the yes. takeaways. Yes, in their place from time to time. But mm-hmm. look, let's start turning the wheel here and doing it ourselves again. Yet, despite all this and the programmes you see on television, the books, the chat on radio, you name it, it's fair to say that people are still not turning away from the convenience. Yeah. Well, the, the power of the convenience foods, I suppose, is that there's um, they're at a good price point. They save you a lot of time. They save you a lot of hassle. And for any adults out there who, um, I suppose, didn't grow up with cookery, cookery skills being passed on to them, there, you know, there's the fear, fear of failure of trying out cooking from scratch if you're not confident in it, you know, and, and that's where the convenience foods come into play. They've, you know, they're, they're always going to work. You just bung them in the oven and they're done, you know, where, but they're never going to be as satisfying or as healthy and you're never going to know exactly what goes into them the way you do if you do cook from scratch. So when you take this on the road and you meet mm. these children and everything, you see they're into this. They yeah. want to learn more. Yes, absolutely. How long are you at this? How did you come to this? What's your background? My background is in food manufacturing. I worked in product development for about 10 years. Um, and I started the classes about 18 months ago, having left product development um, when my around the time my second child was due um, because I, I really wanted to I, well, I always had the bug to start my own business for a long time. It's been on the New Year's resolutions. Uh, so I've got that one ticked now. But um, yeah, I, I just, I saw from working in food manufacturing and product development, you have a really inside view 
of convenience foods, of what sells in the supermarkets and of the really big divide there is between what people aspire to eating on the cookery TV shows and the books they buy and what they actually purchase on a day-to-day basis. And seeing that divide and just um, how the, the decline in food skills it really made me feel very strongly that I wanted to work in that area. And then obviously being a, a mother of two young children, as any, as any couple or parents will know, that if one parent can have a more flexible job, it works out a lot for a much nicer life. So um, that was the, the We're just talking about we this with my previous guest, yeah. you know, making these choices in life, you know, to uh, cut down on the stress yeah. and anxiety. With real, it sure does make sense. What you're doing makes real sense. The mess chef, Roisin Matthews, is with me on Late Lunch today and we're going to talk more after this short break. Roisin Matthews is doing a great job. She's the mess chef. I wondered about this title, but we do know, listening to her this last while, what uh, fabulous uh, education she's bringing to young children from the age of, of two to seven. Um, tell me this, uh, Roisin, about about uh, you and, and your back, coming back to your background again. I just want to ask you one more thing about this. In terms of convenience food, yes, you can't tar it all with the one brush and say it's all bad for you. No, absolutely not. Um, it's without a doubt there are some wonderful convenience foods. There's some wonderful Irish-made foods that are available out there. I think the the most important thing is being able to read the labels and distinguish between the good and the bad. If you can read the back of pack and understand all of the ingredients in the list then I think you're you're fine. You know, it's when you get into the ingredients that you can't pronounce or you've never seen before or there's a very long list of them, then that's where you need to maybe uh, step away from them. There are wonderful, um, I think I was saying to you during the break, the likes of Finnegan's Farm um, who make potato products. You know, they're all like you'd make at home. There's other... Uh, there's mama bear ketchup, there's uh, Fiona Yema sauces. There's a lot of different ones that are available that you can get that shortcut in time in the kitchen. But you just need to look at at the uh, labels when you're when you're shopping. And I know that can be difficult time wise, but you can always do it with maybe one product a week. If you look at something that you're buying and think, okay, I'll just, this time I'll just have a look at what else is available on the shelf, shelf and is there a better decision there I can make? I'm just sitting here thinking about you and you know, maybe there's something in that for you as another idea, but that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> for another time. I'm going back to uh, where you were before you set up the mess chef. Yeah. Um, as regards uh, sourcing the ingredients and shopping as well. You're a big fan of the single weekly shop. I am. I Why? don't. I don't always stick to it, but I try to, um, because it saves a huge amount of time and effort. And um, I'm sure that from your earlier um, guest here today, the mental load for parents can be very big in terms of. It, if you can plan out in advance what you're going to make for the week and do a one big shop and have all of the food in the house, then you're not coming home stressed after a day, a busy day and uh, need to get dinner on the table and thinking, oh, what am I going to cook? And oh, just, I'll just nip up to the convenience shop, pay the extra money that you're going to be paying there, the time out of the house and everything else. When If you have the food there, 
uh, ready to cook and you already know that this is what we're having on Tuesday, this is what we're having on Wednesday and you have a couple of backups in the freezer for when it all goes not to plan. <laughs> so plan, that's the idea. Plan your week. It's a military operation but plan it and deal with everything and have it there and you're going to save time and money you're saying yeah. you, with that as and, well. And mental stress as well. Just knowing, knowing what you have there rather than trying to think up new ideas or what am I going to do this time or what do I need to buy in the shop. Just having it there makes life a lot easier. The donuts you brought the beautiful I have to say uh, what else what, give us an example of other things that you introduced children to in terms of uh, dishes and meals early on okay well um, today's the one I brought into today with the donuts is actually slightly unusual because we do very little baking mm. I actually um, try to stay away from baking and do mostly savoury foods so we do all sorts of things like I've done um, falafel wraps we've made uh, sushi <laughs> your eyes there for that one mm-hmm. I like fish <laughs> yeah it goes down quite well I like actually. to cook it <laughs> <laughs> no actually we know we use cooked fish for the sushi um, we uh, we make uh, rice dishes tropical rice with coconut milk we make uh, omelettes mm. all sorts of dishes okay. um, lots of different fruits and vegetables all in season if possible and Irish if possible and just try and get people eating seasonally savoury simple recipes that they can recreate at home. SSS. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, are starting something new this Saturday. This Saturday I've got a six week course starting a parent and excuse me, parent and child course again for two to seven years. And the idea between um, of having a course is that children get to experience several different types of recipes over the course of the, the few weeks. And um they, we end with the sweet recipe, but they get to do the savoury recipes in between. And each week we make a bit a big drama over it being um, a surprise what we're going to do. We unveil the secret ingredients each week and make a bit of drama out of what we're going to be doing each week. And it's very enjoyable. So that starts this Saturday, Parent and Child Course in Ballsgrove. Okay, and you, of course, are working at the moment with creches, playgroups, schools, community centres, and if anyone listening today would like to find out more about you, how? They'll find me on Facebook or Instagram. If you Google Mess Chef, M-E-S-S Chef, or um, call me, my phone number is 086-399-1302 and I'll be able to give you all the details. And the message is, from two years on, get them on the chair beside you in the kitchen. Absolutely. Introduce them and Roisin is here, the Mess Chef, to help as well. I love it. I really do. I think you have a great name and you've spotted something that's uh, really exciting and I wish you well. Thank you very much. With Saturday and the future. And thank you for joining me on the show today, Roisin Matthews. Delighted. Thank Thank you. you. Okay, Louise, they know their football out there in late lunch land for sure. Very impressed because I don't. But Claire (laughs) Bohan um, WhatsApped us and she said, uh, Hello, Jerry. Barcelona won 3-0 to Liverpool last night. Messi scored two goals. Suarez scored one goal. Would love to win the book. Well... You've won it, Miss Bohan. The book is yours. Stella O'Malley's fragile. Thanks to everybody who texted us and WhatsApped us. Yes, we were looking for that. Messi scored two of the goals for Barcelona against Liverpool last night. Oh, my God. They have a mountain to climb next week in Anfield. And it could have been so different, Louise. Liverpool should have scored last night. They played so well, but couldn't find the back of the net. So, it looks like they won't be in the Champions League final this year. Now, tell tell them, Louise. Tell them, because we're always looking for good news stories and in terms of customer service 
and returning things or getting credit for mm. credit notes you have or vouchers, etc. You generally hear the stories where there's a problem, but you want to tell us about a real good news one. Yeah, big time, Jerry. Look, you and me have been there. We've rang up customer mm. service and been put on hold for the time it takes to listen to a whole opera. Or then either get cut off or made feel like you're the nuisance. <laughs> but sure not thing. so little. Lidl, Lidl. Lidl, sorry. Oh, Lidl. 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 Whatever you want to call it. We know L-I-D-L. You know the crowd. They've come from Germany and they've a load of stores here in Ireland. What happened? Well, I bought uh, one of these in a moment of madness. Uh, one of these robot hoovers a couple of weeks ago. And I thought, this is be deadly now. Save me loads of time. Put it working. And it just went up and down one strip of the floor. Hold on else. a minute, Louise. You it's like metal making from ro- the 80s. <laughs> Uh, robotic Hoover. So you just put it down on the ground mm. and it goes up and down and up and down it's and lifts the door. It's meant to have sensors okay. to kind of scan the room and go around the room. But this one just goes up and down one strip. So I have like really, really clean strip and nowhere else. Okay. So there's it's like a football pitch when it's cut up and down and you see the stripes in Louise's house. Clean strip, other strip, clean strip, other strip. No, okay. it's just clean strip, other strip, other strip, other strip. <laughs> does it work? Does it actually clean the strip? It, it, oh, it, it does, yeah. yeah. Okay. But it just went nowhere else. All right. So I decided, right, I had to bring it back and no good find the receipt. So the man in Lidl was very nice to me and said, no, you have to ring up customer service who give you a code and then we can change it for you. So rang up customer service yesterday expecting the worst, expecting 10 minutes, 15 minutes and my time gone. You had no receipt, had you not? I had no, I lost, I could not okay. find it for the life of me. Go on. It might be in the dog, I don't know. Um, anyway, I rang him up um, expecting this to be put on hold and hear all this music and Megan McGregor, fair play to her customer service Lidl, literally heard my tale of woe and said, no problem, I'll... Um, I'll uh, text you on the code you need just like that five minutes or less flat you just had to tell her was it the day you bought it or something was that it oh she said roughly when did you buy it I said I think it was the Sunday before Easter okay and she said no problem I'll look it up I'll send you the code what's your number I gave her my number and like the call was literally about three minutes long and I spent another four minutes thanking her or thanking her Mm. and telling her how great she was (laughs) and you got the code got the code you brought the Hoover back no problem and it's back to just the old elbow grease on the hoover now for you, is it? Uh, um, I, might, I might strap to the dog. <laughs> Get the dog to go up and down it. I but, trust you know, that dog. thankfully somebody was yes. at the end of the phone. Well done to Lidl. Well done and excellent customer service. And that's what we like to hear. And uh, it should be the same across the board. You know, if, you're, if you have an issue, it should be dealt with and dealt with promptly as well. Congratulations to them. Well done. Yeah, they were brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Well done. Anyway, uh, today in Drogheda was a momentous day for the town because the launch of Fla Ciolna Heron 2019 went ahead. Despite all the soothsayers and naysayers, the Fla is happening. It's coming to town and it's going to be wonderful. And thousands of people are coming from all over the country and the world to the Boyneside. I can assure you of that. Well, it was launched today in the High Lanes Gallery officially. And we were there. Helena Mullins paints the picture next on Late Lunch. Yes, the official launch of Fla Ciolna in 2019 was held this morning at the High Lanes Gallery, Drogheda, with many musicians in attendance. Our reporter Helena Mullins was there and spoke first with Aoife Ruan, chairperson of the Programming Committee, who she asked to reflect on her highlight from last year when Drogheda first hosted the annual Fla. 
I have to say it was a week of experiences from the most intimate concerts which we had up in Jared's church where we had Pora Grin and Tara Breen for example to the very very larger concerts like the Dome concerts with legends like Donal Lunny and Andy Irvine and Raiden Trini Nagona there, there was so much I have to say some really beautiful and intimate experiences and some really just rocking nights I have to say my favourite part was definitely the buskers on the street and just the impromptu uh, musicians and that just shows you the grow for it like and that's so so important to see and I suppose it probably inspired an awful lot of youths around the area and also people who travel to see to see what's happening and the like so this year second year for Drogheda to host this huge traditional festival what maybe have you learned that you want to maybe put in place this year? Well I have to say we just knew that the enthusiasm was there and I have to say that there's such engagement within the region for those who are already involved in traditional culture but those who are new to it and certainly in that way as you talk about that expression on the streets, people were so engaged and so really loved the naturalness and there's a real naturalness and a real sophisticated unsophisticatedness about traditional culture that is really part and parcel with with, what they think of Irish identity and I have to say that that certainly we want to encourage that we have some amazing um, artists lined up this year again people speaking to traditional music at its heart and then people who are um, who are experimenting who are working together collaboratively who are who are you know working right here in Drogheda in in Dundalk and then who are are travelling across the world so it's we're so excited and I suppose when you say there are people who are working and collaborating together it's just like open doors I'm sure for many absolutely I have have to say that in that way somebody like a band called Kern again originally from the the county from Drogheda and Dundalk they you know they were uh, in Milwaukee last summer they were also Tradfest and they're about to release a new album and so the opportunities and the connections for artists in the region but I'd also say what happens with traditional music anyway is that musicians connect they connect very much on an informal level they love sharing tunes they love learning of each other's music and actually then thinking about music that, that transmission this was uh, transmits from region to region where you have somebody from West Kerry sharing some, something from somebody with uh, music from North Clare there is that connection that happens between musicians anyway and I have to say that is one of the joys of FLA informally and formally and I suppose Eva, just to, to, to for a final word with yourself what are you most looking forward to this year to enjoy I know it's really hard to, to pick one thing out but I well I'm already trying to savour even on a morning like this morning where we've just uh, a smor- had an smor- amazing morning of yeah, course a smorgasbord of music Musicians, like musical legends who've inspired so many people, like Horselips, like Jim Lockhart yes. and um, Barry Devlin, to somebody like like Zoe Conway, who's really inspiring a generation, and and somebody so important in the emerging of traditional uh, music now, Saron Mulligan here this morning, and then somebody like Nathan Nathan Carter, who's who grew up in Irish diaspora family in Liverpool, who's been so influenced by his traditional culture in Ireland as a child growing up, and who then you know, carries that with them as he travels across the globe. So I have to say all of those, but there's many more, you know, we're looking forward to people like Cormac Begley, Kevin Burke. There is, uh, there's a whole list of people I'm going through the week. Oh, sure, listen, Joni Madden from Cherish the Ladies. They'll be performing on the Wednesday uh, in the Dome. Well, you can find out more on the websites, on mm-hmm. social media sites are flying. So we just need to connect with you guys. Totally. I have to say the all the our tickets go on sale this morning from 11am. So in a way you'll find the programme online. I have to say that we're still adding concerts. So there's a little bit more to be added in the next couple of weeks and then we'll publish the programme in early June and again we'll be doing interviews, we'll be having artists talk and uh, engage about what they're going to do during the flat in the next few weeks as well. 
so we can't wait. Yeah. It's great to be back and it's good to see a fellow Dundalk woman as well. I know. Loud and proud. Loud and proud. So what has been the highlight last year for you being such a renowned fiddle player? Oh, it's well, an amazing thing to be involved here and also we'll have the flan in Drogheda last year. I know, well it was just wonderful that the flan was in Drogheda and it really felt, I know it's a different time for me, but it really felt like it was my flan, you know, and we were involved in lots of different little projects within the flan and also kind of bigger concerts. So the highlight for me was playing with the RTE Concert Orchestra as a soloist with John, my husband, on guitar and a few other guests that we had with us for the concert was Bill Whelan, Donal Unney and Mick O'Brien. So it was amazing. like a dream gig, honestly. I mean, I just can't get it any better than that so it was the highlight of, of my life really musically I was so, just going to yeah, ask you that next I says it must have been just the, like a huge uh, boost for, for yeah. your own for yeah. your own like traditional music wouldn't be as strong I don't think with youths of today but yeah. I think it was so inspiring last year to see just young kids as young as two, three and four Irish dancing on the street they were so inspired by the musicians who were slightly older maybe just impromptu busking sessions yeah. and the like I think you're, you're absolutely right the difference in this area in, in the whole east coast really um, because of the FLA has been unbelievable and when children see their peers playing it makes them want to play you know it, it is inspiring especially people their own age as you say the little ones I was dancing on the street. Um, so I think the uptake in especially Drogheda and Dundalk of traditional music, traditional instruments and people learning and being able to play, let's say, as part of the flat, entering competitions and all of that, it's just massive. It really has made a massive difference here. And I think it's something that will last for years. So it's just wonderful to see that it really is in safe hands. Because as you know, like traditional musics all over the world have died away and many of them aren't really sustainable. Um, so we are very lucky that we've managed to hold on to it and to be able to keep... I mean, I'm sure we've lost quite a lot but we still have quite a lot so you'll be busy now in the run up to the FLA but is there anything coming up in the pipeline that isn't to do with the FLA that maybe the opportunity wouldn't have arose without well, the FLA it, what, a lot of the different projects I'm working on in, is part of Music Generation and actually one of them is a youth group who are going to play on the gig rig as part of the FLA do you know so that's one thing that we are working uh, uh, towards as part of the FLA but there are lots and lots of projects like myself my husband John we're touring all over the place like abroad and bringing our Irish music our progressive I suppose Irish music um, all over the world so ahead of us we're going to be playing in England um, in London and we're playing in Prague and Vienna and Germany um, and Spain all before the end of this year so there's lots of uh, things happening uh, across the world really in traditional music which is great It is indeed and of course we can probably find you and uh, on Facebook and That's social right. media so how, well, how best to, to, to keep up with your travels Well the band me and John it's Zoe Conway and John McIntyre um, on Facebook and then we also have a website Zoe and John com, which is a bit easier. Perfect. Well, listen, Ganairi and Thalat. Gurmagat. Gurmagat also So I'm going to have a chat now with some more people who are at, here at the FLA, at the Highlands Gallery, which for the, for the official launch. Shavail Nakasada, thanks so much for having a chat with me here. Tagwail Gagat Kamai, I know that. I saw Sarath Karn too. So it's Gahalan to that and Shaw Egg, Oskar's special to Flakyol Naharan. So it's lovely to have you here at the official opening of the Flakyol. I remember seeing your performance in the centenary year 2016 and you just blew us all away on RTE. Was that maybe when it just boomed for you as regards it being a traditional Irish singer? Yeah, I mean, I recorded the song Michelle when I was 16 and then when I was 17 I had the opportunity to sing it live on RTE to like the entire country, whoever was watching that night. And um, that's really when, I mean, the next day 
I just I was seeing myself on Facebook, I was getting calls to do radio interviews, all this kind of stuff, and I didn't even understand at the time how big it was um, and how big that show in itself was. People were talking about taking it on the road and all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it just it really worked out amazing. So that for blew me up for that. you then after? It really did, and then it, I caught the attention of Universal um, Music, and because of that, I... Um, I was able to record an album and an EP um, album hasn't been released yet it will be released at the end of the summer but my EP was just released at the beginning of March and it's called um, Shabelle Live at Abbey Road Studios and you can find that on all streaming and download services and of course we had you on Clara Smitherini of late so it was great to have you in on LMFM before we heard your music and we love it you grew up going to the flat yeah. growing up like do you think that uh, the popularity in traditional Irish music has grown um, definitely. I mean, for me, I mean, there was always a full room when I was coming in to compete for the FLA. Um, it really it really helped me with my confidence and really helped me grow as a young musician and um, to be able to take criticism, to be able to know that there's people out there that are always better than you um, and to just be able to still get up and like do your singing and do the best that you can. And, I mean, I was here in Drogheda last year and to say that the music has grown is... I'd, it was just absolutely buzzing last year and it was an amazing place to be and I can't wait until um, for this year again I can't wait for the flash so yeah any advice for young aspiring musicians out there um, I would say be around other young musicians that all want the same thing because you're all going to inspire each other and that's the great thing about the flash that really is. Yeah. I'll tell you, I nearly picked up an instrument I never played before. <laughs> we are steeped in culture, and I think that sometimes we forget that, and it takes a big festival like Flakyol, Naharan, to Convenia Spraga, just Even, really yeah, to inspire us. So, Gurmila Magat, Asad Lauritsam, Agus, Ganari and Tholat, it's fantastic to have you here at the launch. Nathan, thanks so much for having a chat with no us here on LMFM. Just a, a quick word to finalise here. Um, what advice would you give to young people growing up in the northeast this year to just try and get the traditional Irish music flowing in them? Um, I would definitely urge any young aspiring musician to, to join maybe a cultist branch or come along to the flat even and witness. If you've never been before, come and see what it's all about. I've been going to All Island Flats since I was six years old. Um, and uh, it's it's a hell of an experience you meet a lot of people I've got, still got friends very close friends who I met through traditional music so I would urge uh, young aspiring musicians to come along and see what it's all about and how has it inspired your country music um, well, it's, it's, or influenced it at all or I, I still do a lot of uh, folky trad stuff in our gig as well as country you know so um, and we're, obviously we're doing a gig here at the Dome so that will be a bit more folky and a bit more trad that night um, might throw a brush dance in, you never know. Uh, oh, brilliant. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely has inspired a lot of, uh, you know, music. The country stuff is very similar sometimes to folk stuff as well, you know. Yeah. Well, the very best luck in the dome, and no I don't know to hold back any further. Yeah. Thanks so We're much. looking forward to Selena Mullins there at the launch of the FLAD this morning in Drogheda coming your way in August and to be looked forward to finishing today with a very special birthday request for Doreen Fagan from Ballsgrove she's 80 years young today happy birthday Doreen and those wishes come in from Sean, Maura and all the family I think it's time to head for Galway to celebrate Doreen see you tomorrow
Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, where a student loan can help you finance your further education. Call to Cartmacross Cross Credit Union on Neal Street or at cartmacrosscu.ie.